Friends, would you stand with me as we prepare to read the Lord's Word? I'm reading this morning from Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 27. This is the Lord's Word. When Jesus came into Peter's home, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and waited on him. When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. Then a scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me, and allow the dead to bury their own dead. When he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being covered with waves. But Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. He said to them, Why are you afraid, you men of little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. The men were amazed and said, What kind of a man is this? And even the winds, that even the winds and the sea, obey him. This is the Lord's word. Would you please be seated, friends? Well, Father, again, we thank you for your word and pray that your blessing would be upon it as it goes forward. I pray that you would keep the evil one from stealing away the seed of the gospel. I pray that you would help our distracted minds, our minds that are sifted uh, by responsibilities as we sit in this building and think about potentially all that needs to be done. And yet, Father, we have come this morning again to worship you and now to hear from you in your word. Father, we come to you because we are weak, and so we ask once again that you would bless us, this servant, that I would faithfully handle your word, and these your people, that they would faithfully respond to your word. We ask for your Spirit's blessing, his presence, his convicting, his admonishing, his comforting of us, and that we would have our eyes focused once again upon you, Lord Jesus, and that you would teach us what it means to be a disciple. We ask all of this now in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. At some point in your life, you have or you are or you will be tested in regard to your following of Jesus Christ. I think I shared this verse a few weeks back, uh, but it is a verse that has startled me oftentimes. You have to understand, I, I come from a family that my grandfather went to Los Angeles as a young man hoping he was going to sing jingles on the radio. And my mother worked at a highfalutin store in Los Angeles where she worked with movie stars, uh, purchasing clothes for them. Um, I'm always a little bit enamored. If I were a bird, I would be a raven or a crow because I'm attracted to sparkly and shiny things. I much identify with Demas in the Bible. And it's a verse that has long, it, it's, it screams a warning to this, to this raven. 
For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. That verse scares the daylights out of me. Demas was a good guy. Demas was a fellow worker with the Apostle Paul. He's known in the church. He sends greetings to the saints. And at some point, Demas said, I've had enough. I've had enough. And he traded his thinning knees for the ease of this world. We don't know exactly why he did it. All we know is that he wound up loving this world more than the hardships that accompany following Jesus Christ. I could be a Demas. I, I truly, I fear that I could be a Demas. But you could be as well. You could be one who starts well and who never finishes the race. Will you truly follow Jesus Christ? Here in Matthew's Gospel, the Lord would have us question why we are following Jesus Christ. Why do you follow Jesus Christ? Do you examine your understanding of what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus? What is it exactly you think it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus Christ? We've been watching this excellent documentary in Sunday school called the American Gospel. And once again, and, and this again was not by design, uh, how these the Sunday school and the sermon this morning dovetail quite nicely. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? He would have you follow, but he would not have you be ignorant of what it means to be a true disciple. I want you to notice that Jesus Christ is the consumer's choice. He's the consumer's choice. I'm telling you, when you see the video of, of some of these prosperity preachers and you see their, the size, I mean, it's not a sanctuary, it's an auditorium, it's an arena where these guys are preaching. Does anything strike you odd about that? Beware when all men speak well of you. They must be preaching something that is so popular, that, that, that just feels so right, that it just draws people, because this is wonderful. Why, to follow Jesus, that's a no-brainer. Someday, I'm going to be a Creflo Dollar. Someday, I'm going to be a Joel Osteen. Someday, they're going to have to put a bigger runway here in Lander because I'm going to need a longer runway for my Learjet. Who wouldn't want a Jesus like this? And yet, if you look at this, in verse 18, look what Matthew points out. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. He's got a crowd gathering around him. Jesus has a crowd gathering around him. He's in Capernaum. Obviously, he has become immensely popular with the people. Again, imagine the, the, the political rallies, celebrity sightings, how the crowds surround those who are popular. But can you blame them for being so excited about Jesus? Consider what he's done. He speaks with authority, unlike their scribes and Pharisees. He's casting out demons. He cleanses the leper of all their spots. He heals the lame. Uh, the sick are healed. The paralyzed are made to walk. Fevers are, are taken away. And we are told by Matthew that he healed all who were ill. You'd be crazy to ignore Jesus Christ. 
He truly is the consumer's choice. What can't he do for you? You understand? Benny Hinn said it. No one wants to die. No one wants to be sick. Everyone wants to be wealthy. And this is the way they're approaching Jesus Christ. He's doing... What What bad has this guy done? He heals everyone. He's going to feed thousands of people. Right? It's, it's what Americans clamor for. Health care and food. EBT cards. Right? He gives us everything. He gives us everything. What's not to love? He is the winningest team. Everyone wants a slice and a piece of Jesus Christ because of what he can do for me. So he identified with Jesus Christ and recognized him as holding out blessing. And so we should, um, we should pursue him. He is able to heal and able to save us. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. But we must, friends, not confuse our coming to him for blessing as the same as being a follower. Why do you come to Jesus Christ? We mustn't confuse coming to him for blessing as the same as being a follower. What's the difference? Coming to consume, um, it, being a consumer is a one-way relationship. The consumer is the one who comes, he takes, he uses up, and he moves on to something else, to someone else. Um, his mode of operation is to seek out his own interest. He is himself his highest end or his highest goal. He is, as it were, a god unto himself. And he sits on his own throne and he thinks himself the sovereign over his own life. That was the prosperity gospel that we were watching this morning. They look at Jesus as simply a means to an end rather than the end in itself. That's the American church in large part, where we must be very careful. Why do we follow Jesus Christ? A follower, in contrast with a consumer, is one who comes to Christ because he knows he is the only source of life. He comes to him for life, and because he is life, true life, like Peter, he or she says or believes in their heart, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The follower takes and the follower responds to the Lordship of Christ. He doesn't just take and run away. Why do you follow Jesus Christ? Many come to Jesus as consumers, I would argue. Not necessarily in this congregation, but perhaps, perhaps in this congregation as well. I come to Jesus so that he'll bless my family. I come to Jesus so that he will heal me of my sicknesses. I come to Jesus so that he will bring my business success. I come to Jesus so that he will make me wealthy. I come to Jesus so that he will feed me. I come to Jesus so that he will restore a healthy self-image of myself. I come to Jesus because, frankly, the nicest people come to Jesus, and I want to be a part of the nice people. I come to Jesus so that he will save me if I ask him into my heart today. Got that done. Now on to better things and more important things. You see, even, even the gospel, even salvation, oftentimes is marketed, again, as a consumeristic type of thing. Sign the dotted line, walk the aisle, get the pastor to write the date in the front of your Bible, 
and then you too can know that you're going to heaven. We've made it a consumeristic item rather than knowing Jesus and following Jesus. These individuals have come for blessing like people go to the sample lady at Sam's or Costco's. May I have one, please? <laughs> Just Maybe two. Why have you come to Jesus Christ? And have you come to consume or have you come to follow? What does Jesus say? Jesus gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea, which occasioned the coming forward of two men who desired to follow Jesus, but on their terms. A, a true follower follows even into the briar patch. When I was growing up, my parents had a few acres in northeastern Ohio, and it was the best home any boy could ever want to live in. We had a giant sled hill in the side of the yard, and we had a creek running just next to the property, behind the property. But to get to the creek, and we'd often go back there with our muck boots on, and we'd slog around. Um, to get through it, you'd have to go through um, thistles and these stickers that would get all in your socks and get down into your boot. And we would come out of the woods after playing by the creek. We'd come out and we were just scraped all up. We were scratched and bloodied. And we just had the time of our life. You had to be a devoted follower of the guy. Usually it was me going first because I was the oldest of my younger brothers. And they would follow me back there. And we would get through the worst kind of scrapes. My question for you is, will you follow Jesus Christ into the briars? This is following. This is what discipleship means. It means following into the briars. Listen to what uh, this one says. Then a scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Again, the scribe comes on the scene. He approaches Jesus and says uh, some wonderful words. Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Wherever you go. These are noble words. Jesus, if you command us to follow you across the lake, yes, I will even follow you there. Lead me anywhere and I will go. It's a wonderful attitude that we see on the part of this scribe, isn't it? It shows a dedication to Jesus, and he will go without delay. And yet Jesus, he corrects the man knowing what he is thinking. We are oftentimes very quick to follow Jesus uh, when we think this is going to be good. This is going to sound pleasant. And again, mind you, here in the text, what do we see Jesus doing? He's healing all sorts of people. Why are the masses surrounding Jesus at this? Why does he have crowds of people following him? It's because of all of the good things he's doing. And so the scribe, at this point, he's saying, who doesn't want this? This is excellent. I want this. I want this very much. It becomes very clear to us what this man wants when we consider um, who he is and the Lord's response to him. He is a scribe. He is a scribe. He's part of the religious ruling class. He's a teacher of the law. In Matthew 23, uh, Jesus has very little good to say about the scribes and the Pharisees. Listen to some of the things he says of the scribes and Pharisees. 
and we might get some idea of what this man is actually looking for as he signs up to follow Jesus. He says, They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves don't do it. They do their deeds to be noticed by men. They love the place of honor at banquets and chief seats in synagogues. They like respectful greetings. They offer up long prayers to schmooze people spiritually. They majored on minors and minored on majors, and they focused on the outside on good appearances, but were largely a wretched group of people. They were not entirely useless, if you look at Matthew 23, but generally they were terribly corrupt. What is this man wanting? If he's true to what the scribes and Pharisees and what Jesus says about him, he's really looking for ease. Jesus is the hot commodity right now. Jesus is it. He's in. He's in vogue. If I associate myself with Jesus, that could only boon my reputation. It makes me something great. This scribe seems to be a breath of fresh air. But then what is his motivation for following Jesus? Is he a consumer? Has he come to Jesus to take? Again, the crowds are around Jesus. He is performing amazing miracles and people are dumbfounded. There is this enthusiasm, a buzz in the air. You would be out of your mind not want to not want to follow Jesus Christ. Job would say, shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? How does Jesus answer the scribe who's wanting to follow Jesus right now? I'm willing to step into that boat and sail across the sea here. He says this, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Simply put, you're coming to me thinking that the good life awaits you. But even lowly animals have it better than me. This is what awaits those who follow me. Did you hear that, friends? You follow Jesus Christ. What, what are you expecting to follow Jesus Christ into? Michael Horton said it so well on that documentary this morning. What is Christianity about? It's about dying to yourself. It's about death. It's about taking the path that is least traveled, the narrow way, the, it's the way of the cross. Did you follow Jesus Christ because you thought it would be easy? Or did you follow Jesus Christ because somebody told you that if you do this, your children will walk straight? Is that what you did? Did you follow Jesus because, man, everyone who follows Jesus, their, their business just boons. I've seen people join churches Sadly, they join churches because that's where I'm going to make money off people. That's where God's going to bless me. Oh, I shudder at it. And yet this kind of thing is going on in the church. I see people who are willing to follow Jesus. Remember 1979? I think it was 1979, the year of the evangelical. Everyone's an evangelical now. They're the largest voting group. Tell me this. Where are all the disciples from 1979? And explain to me why in 2023 our nation's gone to the toilet. Tell me, are we, were we consumers? 
or were we followers of Jesus Christ? I think you can argue from the fruit on the tree. We have been consumers. We came to Jesus to get something out of him, but not to follow him and not to to embrace him, but to just get something good from him. Do you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Then know this, friends, that following Jesus means following him into the briars, and it means following him into hardship. Foxes have holes, rodents, even rats have nests. The birds of the air have nests, the common creature, and yet the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Are you following Jesus? The term Son of Man is a term Jesus uses of himself. It's used here in Matthew 8 for the first time in the Gospels. He uses it 81 times. And and it's broken up into three categories. One is in the apocalyptic sense of which Daniel 7, 13, and 14 says, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And then it is used in a second sense of of just a plain term meaning a human being. And thirdly, it predicts the suffering, death, and resurrection. The term here is used uh, in the sense of humiliation. Here he is, the Son of Man, the glorious Lord, as having no place to lay his head. Though he is to be given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, he has no place to lay his head. What do you think following Jesus Christ looks like? Were you expecting a cakewalk? Are you expecting that you would not suffer for the sake of Christ? Are you saying, I will follow him just as long as everything goes well? Are you willing to follow him into hardship? But isn't this the nature of his mission? He came to serve. He came in order to sacrifice. He came in order to suffer on behalf of his people. Though, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8 9, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. He laid aside his right to glory and humbled himself in order to save you. Do you want Jesus? Do you want him because of what you think he can do for you? But are you not willing to follow him in his humiliation? I will follow Jesus, you say, as you sit in your warm chair, as you sit in a dry place, as you sit among friends. Will you follow him in his humiliation? Are you willing to be misjudged because of Jesus Christ? We watched the news the other night. OAN, um, one of their anchors, he went on a rant about transgenderism. This is evil. Shouldn't be happening. I'm a Christian man. Now, I'm okay if you want to be gay and I'm all for it. You know, love is love kind of. He went on saying this, but the transgender stuff, no, no, no. And I wanted to say, again, as I customarily do, I scream at the television, why don't you act like a Christian? Why don't you speak like a Christian? 
How can you say transgenderism is wrong and not say that homosexuality is wrong? What's wrong with you? I'll tell you what's wrong with him. Transgenderism isn't yet acceptable enough in the culture. But homosexuality is. That's the acceptable thing. And I go, you're a bag of hot wind is all you are. You follow Jesus only in as far as it's convenient and it's easy, but you're not willing to follow him in the discomfort. Can you really be called a disciple, a follower, if you're not willing to follow Jesus Christ into the briar patch, friends? I don't think so. You can't. You can't. Are you willing to be misjudged? Are you willing to be falsely accused because your convictions won't allow you to run along the same paths as others? Whose conscience is uninformed by Scripture? Will you follow him to death? Will you follow him to death by loving your ungrateful spouse? Will you die for Jesus and loving others? Will you love him at work? Here's what I've seen, that we love Jesus Christ and identify him when it serves our interests. When it comforts me in a storm or in a waiting room, when it keeps me from worrying over the sin I have committed again, when it comes time to pay the bills and there isn't quite enough money in the checkbook when our kids go astray or the threat of terrorism is over, uh, over overhead. But the least little inconvenience and discomfort and uneasiness, we bail on Jesus because there's a better party or a more lucrative offer afforded us. What kind of Christian are you? A follower? of Jesus or a consumer don't follow me says Jesus if you think that this is easy if you do follow me get ready for hardship I've learned this uh, a difficult way learning it a difficult way uh, I went to seminary I had the privilege of, of squeezing uh, a three year degree into five years and I went to two very fine seminaries and I don't know if I missed something along the way, but there was not a single class on the hardships of ministry. I thought everyone would love ministry, or at least ministers. I thought if I stood up there and told you what Martin Luther said or John Calvin said, if I got up there and exegeted the scriptures faithfully, I thought, I don't know what I was thinking. Apparently, I wasn't thinking at all. Because you, you think, oh, oh, this is wonderful. Thank you so much, Pastor. Here's $100. Go get a nice meal. You know, you, you, you think people are just going to rejoice at this. And they don't tell you anything in seminary. At least they didn't in my experience about suffering and the hardships that come. And it becomes immensely hurtful. And oftentimes, it's quite lonely. That's not just for ministers. That's for you as well. You have friends who have refused to talk to you now because you have decided to follow Christ Jesus. You have family members who give you the cold shoulder and who think you're crazy because you don't go with the latest trends. You have your social circles who roll their eyes at the goody two-shoes because you don't join in with them and you go, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Jesus calls you into the briar patch with him. 
Will you follow Jesus that way, or will you be a consumer? Paul said to Timothy, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Friend, will you only seek blessing from Jesus Christ, or will you also follow him into hardship? Are you willing to take the bad along with the good? That's what it means to be a disciple. You take the bad along with the good. Some don't enter into ministry, and others uh, you won't allow people into your homes, or worse, into your hearts, because to get close, to get involved, is to climb down off your throne and to risk being hurt. It is the risk of hardship. And, and let me say, Jesus calls us, he calls us into ministry, he calls us into hardship, and people are difficult. And I will say, it's going to get more difficult for us as a congregation. It will. Up until recent years, um, being a follower of Christ was acceptable. 1979, the year of the evangelical. Churches were acceptable. Christians, Christianity, it's okay. They're not entirely a bad people. They show up to work sober. That's good. But as the agendas and as the mindsets continue to grow, you're finding that it's costing more and more to be a follower of Christ. You decide now, are you a consumer or are you going to be a follower? Because it is going to get more difficult, you understand. It's going to cost to be a follower. Discipleship is costly. Salvation is a gift freely given that will cost you everything. But understand what you lose doesn't compare with what we've gained in Christ Jesus, the life and to have our relationship restored, to have our sins forgiven, to be washed away, and to have the hope of eternal life that you can't place a price tag on that. You can't. I don't think the scribe uh, bargained for what Jesus was telling him. Verses 21 and 22, we read this. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. Now it was a follower of Jesus from the bigger circle of disciples, from the crowd. This man wants to follow Jesus, but there is a problem with the timing of following Jesus. This disciple would, would like Jesus to allow him to first go and bury his father. Um, full disclosure, scholars are unsure of the exact nature of this request. There are kind of three options. Some say the fellow's dad has just died, and so he has to go and honor his father with a proper burial. I doubt personally this is the case because he would not be outside following Jesus around fighting the crowds when his father was lying dead at home. A second view is that his dad was old and about to die, but he has not yet died. So this disciple wants to postpone following Jesus until a more opportune time. One person says he, that he, he puts, uh, this man puts his material concerns before following uh, as he wanted to make sure that he inherited what his father had to leave behind. A third uh, option is this, and I, I think personally this is the one, 
the father has already died a year earlier. A second burial was to be performed where the bones of the loved ones were put in a special box in a slot in the tomb's wall. This son wants to go and give his dad a proper burial. Most scholars hold this. As I said, I don't think the first option is tenable, but the second or third are the more likely. I don't believe it was a matter of greed. I think the man, uh, otherwise Jesus, would have dealt with him. I think what's happening is, is his father has already died, and we just need to wrap up Jesus some loose ends in regard to my father's funeral. Listen to the Lord's answer. Follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. The Lord does not call him to dishonor his father, but what does the Lord do? He calls the man to esteem him above all. My friends, Jesus calls you to follow him, not when it fits your schedule. Christian, Jesus calls you to follow him, not when it fits your schedule, not when it's convenient for you. Um, your child's football, his soccer, his baseball schedule, your sleep schedule, hunting seasons. When do we follow Jesus? Well, when I can get around to it, Pastor, I'll, I'll follow Jesus. Is that, is, that, is that discipleship? Is that what it means to follow Jesus? Just when it works, squeeze him in. I know, you're an American. You're very busy. You're very important. Jesus can wait. Really? Is that the way we think of Jesus Christ? That would explain much of the church and her lack of witness in our culture, wouldn't it? Well, we can't very well go and do this. Our best program is on. <laughs> Why would I interrupt prayer? Right? This, this is the kind of mindset that, that we are up against and that we must fight in ourselves. Jesus says, let the spiritually dead focus on the physically dead. The world is going to focus on the things of the world. They will focus on all these extracurricular uh, items. What are you focused upon, Christian? Who has the loudest voice in your head? Whose schedule uh, directs your life? Is it the Lord? Is it your children? Is it your work? What is it? What does the Lord want? He wants all of you all the time, not just some of the time. Let the dead bury the dead. The Lord's people are to focus on following the Lord and being his witness. In the parallel account in Luke 9, verse 60, we are told, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Am I saying that Christians can't be involved in other things? No, but I am saying if you would be a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't give him second place in your life. You don't fit Jesus into your busy life or work him into your calendar, your schedule. You understand, Christian, Jesus Christ is to be your life, period. He is to be your life. The world knows nothing of life, but a Christian does, and that is to be our top priority. We are so often caught up in things that keep us from actual ministry, from actually taking time with people to introduce them to Jesus Christ. And Jesus wants us to be involved in that. He wants us to be doing that. 
we wait for the perfect time we'll wait till the kids grow up we wait for the job or the finances to create opportunity and uh, we don't want to create a problem for anyone else friends you are among the living and you need to make Christ the voice that you obey and to get your eyes back on him I want to read to us here in closing from Hebrews chapter 11 verses 23 and 29 if you look there for a second I think of all of my favorite verses which are many I think these are some of my utmost top favorite verses listen to Moses in Matthew or rather Hebrews chapter 11 By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. We read here of Moses and how he followed the Lord, how though he didn't receive the promise directly he saw it from afar and he welcomed it and he considered it greater treasure greater treasure to pass away on all the things of Egypt and to see Christ and he would rather suffer reproach for Christ and viewing it as that being better than the treasures of Egypt and then I ask you are you a follower or are you a consumer of these men we are told, men of whom the world was not worthy. And we read this morning in Sunday school of all those who suffered for following Christ. What kind of disciple are you? What kind of follower would you be? Would you be a consumer? Or would you indeed be a true follower of Christ? Following him into hardship and, and following him above all else. This is what Jesus Christ calls us to, friends. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, again for this day, and we thank you for your word and pray that your blessing will be upon it as we think on these things through the week. We ask, Father, that you would reform us and that you would revive us. And we pray, Lord, that we would again, as when at first uh, we had these desires to tell everyone about the Lord Jesus, we pray, Lord, that we would gladly once again tell others about Jesus Christ and that we would be more than willing to follow him into the briars because we see that in him there is life, and in him he is the true blessing. Oh, Father, forgive our weaknesses even this morning, and we pray that you would have your way with us now. I ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.